0: and, And Christianese are just good churchy words that we use a lot, but rarely define. And a lot of them are really good in biblical words that are used in the Bible, like redemption, reconciliation, propitiation, mercy, grace, repentance, amen, hallelujah, freedom in Christ, sanctification, hosanna, we sang this morning even. But I want to talk about one of those phrases today. By the way, if you want some concise definitions of all of those that I just said. I have them for you and love to share them. Um, But today we're going to talk about the term glorify God. What does that mean to glorify God? So the Westminster Catechism, and a catechism is just a tool to teach the basics of the Bible in a really memorable way, Um, and the Westminster one is is a great one, but they just... Most of them ask a question and then give a, a simple answer to help you learn the basics of the Bible. So their first question is, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. What does that mean? Glorify God. Let's glorify God with this. Let's glorify God with that. We're just saying your glory is so beautiful. Okay, what does that mean? What are we talking about? The Bible talks about it over and over. So it's not a bad phrase. It's a great phrase to glorify God. But what are we talking about? I think we become way too comfortable sometimes with over-familiar, churchy, Christianese words without ever defining them. So the main verse in this passage says this. It's verse 31. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. What does that mean, to glorify God? Here's what it means, very simply. It means to do something in a way that points to God's greatness and His beauty. To do something in a way that points to God's greatness and His beauty. And if you're like me, you're still like, okay, but really, what does that mean? What does that look like fleshed out in real life? Well, look at this verse with me again. The first word is really important, so. Or in some, ver- in some translations it says, Therefore, what's the therefore, therefore? Well, everything he just said before it says this is how you can glorify God. This is how you go about it. So let's back up. Let's go to verse 23. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. So verses 23 and 24 tell us, the first way we can glorify God, and that's to build others up. Build others up. Build other people up. And Paul's addressing here, right at the beginning, he says all things are lawful. He's quoting them. He's kind of making fun of them. He's saying you guys say all things are lawful. And he's, he's going after the fact that the Corinthians are trying to justify living however they want it. They're like, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, with whoever I want. And Paul's saying, hey, you know what? That doesn't mean you can live however you want. He said, all things are helpful, but not everything builds up other people. Not everything is helpful to others. So, just because it's not sinful to eat meat sacrificed to idols, and that's been a theme as we looked at verse chapter 8 through verse chapter 10, that's the theme going on, the cultural thing going on, this, this issue of meat sacrificed to idols. He's saying it's... Just because it's not sinful to do that doesn't mean it's always going to be helpful to other people. Or, in modern day terms, just because it's not wrong to say something really bluntly like it is, doesn't mean that it's always helpful to do so. You know what I'm talking about? You people who are really straightforward, blunt, say it like it is, no matter the situation. That's not always actually the most helpful thing. It doesn't always build people up. So that's that's kind of what's going on here. So build up. He says instead of instead of just living however you want, you need to build others up. What does that mean to build up? Well, the word here means edify or to help others grow in Christ likeness. Helping people become more like Jesus. So the opposite of it would be tearing other people down. Or prohibiting other people from growing in Christ likeness. And, th- and there's actually no neutral option here. If you're not helping someone else grow and become more like Jesus, you're actually preventing their growth, and it becomes like a slow fade. So I've used this analogy here before, well worth repeating, stole it from Francis Chan. So he says the Christian life is like standing on a a down escalator, okay? You're trying to go up the down escalator. Has any of you ever tried that? Um, it 's probably not legal, but um, i 've tried it before, and it 's really difficult, right? You have to go really fast, and that 's what it 's like in the Christian life. If we just stay put, stay stagnant, especially when it comes to building other people up, then you end up just fading slowly. So I was in a relationship uh, in a relationship with a girl before Heather. Um, that was fine. We were we were good friends, and we had a lot of fun together, joked around, um, that sort of thing. And it wasn't like a, a, a sinful relationship by any means, but we weren't focused on Jesus together. So, we weren't helping each other grow, so it was this slow fade. So, eventually we broke up, because we both saw that, like... Yeah, I'm not really helping you become more like Jesus, and you're not helping me become more like Jesus. Nothing inherently wrong going on here. Just, just, it's not helpful. It's not building each other up. So, every relationship that you are in, so think about it. Whether it's with your spouse, with your kids, with your coworkers, your friends, your parents. Any relationship you are in is either building them up or tearing them down, and there's no neutral Verse 24, here's the main focus. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Let everyone focus on other people's good, not on their own selfish desires. So this would look like this You wake up in the morning and you think, hey, how can I serve my spouse today? Versus, how can I serve myself today? See the difference? Or you go to work and you think, how can I encourage my boss? Or how can I encourage my coworkers today? versus how can i nitpick at my coworkers today or you sit down after a long day at home and you think you know, how can i help my family members become more like jesus tonight or you just think how can i tune them out tonight see it's intentional building others up is intentional we don't naturally want to build other people up because we're sinful And we're self-focused. That's what it means to be sinful. Focused on yourself. Naturally, we don't give a rip about other people. Naturally, I don't give a rip about other people. And that's that's true of everybody in here. Because we're naturally so self-focused. Even even when we start to do other things that look like they're serving other people and building other people up. Often in our hearts, our motives are wrong. And we're just trying to serve ourselves. So our mindsets need to change. Our behavior certainly needs to change, but if we start going after our behaviors, if we start just, I'm going to try to do better at building other people up and white-knuckle it, you'll have some success for a week or two, and then you'll just fall back into the same habits. See, but if our thoughts change, if our hearts change, then our actions are going to start to go with it. Behavior modification doesn't last when you're just going after the actions it's like putting a band-aid on the, on a wound that needs stitches so imagine you re- you really struggle with anger okay uh just just imagine that for a second. you really struggle with anger and you get in a relationship w- with someone let's say you're single and you get in a relationship with someone and for the first couple months they have no idea that you struggle with anger you know, Because you're covering it up, right? You put your best foot forward when you start relationships usually. So they're like, wow, this is, this is great. And then one day you just blow up on them. And they're like, where did that come from? Is that the same person? What's going on? Here's what's going on. Your heart didn't change. You did behavioral modification without ever having your mind or your thoughts changed. And the solution is going to sound oversimplistic. But it is the solution. It's believing Jesus and what he says. Believing what God says. Where you have right believing, you'll have right doing. And this is true both initially and daily. So if you don't know Jesus, and you want to do better at building other people up, you need, to, you need to come to know Jesus. You need to give your life to him. Surrender your life to him. Otherwise, you're always going to serve others in, in a selfish way. Um, messed up, uh, kind of just, just messed up way. But this is true daily too. This is true for everyone in here who believes in Jesus. We need to continue to believe what Jesus says. Romans twelve two says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to have our minds change, our hearts change. And a great way to do that is to memorize Scripture. Because as we start to memorize scripture, our minds change. And as our minds change, our hearts change, and then our actions change. So, I want to challenge you. Memorize verse 24. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Very, very simple. But if you repeated that to yourself over and over, you'd really start to believe that and live that out. I'm not going to do things simply for my good today, but for the good of my neighbor. Then we'll start glorifying God by building other people up. Another great one to memorize, and I'm still working on it, so um, give me some grace here. But uh, Philippians 2, 3-8, Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of his servant, being born in human likeness, or being born in the likeness of man, and being found in the human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, if you have that flowing through your veins, that Jesus did this. And Jesus is now living inside of me. He humbled himself. Even though he was God, to the point of death on a cross, I can certainly start to humble myself and build other people up and not be about me today. When I focus on Jesus, when I focus on the cross. So, how do we glorify God? Build other people up. Second way, found in verse 25-30. to For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of that for which I give thanks. Second way to glorify God, thankfulness to God. Thankfulness to God. So the context here is that Paul is using this example that's really specific to the Corinthians. So just hang with me while I explain this for a couple minutes, and then I'll I'll bridge it to our everyday life now. But the principles here are timeless. The main principle is thankfulness. But here's what's going on. The Jews were not allowed to eat food that were sacrificed to idols ever under any circumstance. So in verse 25, eat whatever's sold in the meat market without raising any question. That, that's going against the grain of what a lot of people thought. But Paul's saying, hey, if you're not eating meat, That's part of idol worship. If you're not actually going to a festival that's for idols, eat up. If if food is sold there that was at this festival and now it's kind of the leftovers at the meat market, who cares? Go eat it up. Why? Because of verse 26. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You can do that because everything is God's. So be thankful. God created those animals and that meat to be enjoyed. And even though someone tried to mess, mess with it over here for purposes that were not godly, doesn't make that meat ungodly here. So it'd be like, um, Hy-Vee jalapeno cheddar brats. I you guys had that. I know that's really specific, but I love those things. And now that it's like grilling season, Oh my goodness. So, and I'm also on a new weight loss program. At the same time, they don't. Those things don't really go. But anyway, um, v Jalapeno Cheddar Brats. They're cutting me a check later. No, I'm kidding. But um, it'd be like saying, you know what? Someone came up to me and said, "Did you know that those were made by the leader of the Satanic Church in town?" You know what I would say to them based on this passage? Who cares? It's God made this. this. is from God. I'm going to enjoy this as a gift from God. That's that's maybe that's maybe something similar to what's going on here. But he Paul's saying here, don't even seek out where it came from. Doesn't doesn't matter. But if I go to a satanic feast, that's to worship Satan, and those jalapeno cheddar brats are there, that that makes it sinful. And we learned that last week, verse 20 and 21, um, in chapter 10, where Paul addresses that and says, hey, yeah, if you're actually at the feast, don't do it. So, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He's quoting Psalm 24, verse 1, and he's kind of doing it to rub it in the face of the Jews a little bit. He's saying, look, your own scriptures, the Old Testament, say everything is God's, including all meat. So enjoy it with thanksgiving as a gift from God. God cares more about how you eat than what you eat. And then he moves on, verse 27 to 29, and he he gives another example that was really specific to the Corinthians. So basically he's saying, hey, when you're invited to an unbeliever's house, eat up, drink up with whatever's put, put before you. What matters is that you're thankful to God all ultimately comes from him. But don't forget in all of this, right? Glorifying God is about thankfulness to God, but it's also about building other people up. So he gives this circumstance. He's, he's saying, if someone, if, if you're sitting down at your, at your friend's house and you got some prime rib and you take, you take that first bite, you're about to take that first bite of prime rib and someone turns to you and goes, hey, you know, you know that that was sacrificed to idols? For this person's sake, don't eat it, even if it's the greatest prime rib in the world. Don't do it. That's what he's saying here. So it, uh, a modern-day example. Let's say, let's say Joey and I go to our friend Bob's house. I don't, we don't have a mutual friend named Bob, but let's, just for the circumstance. And Joey and I are walking up to the door, and I've got a bottle of wine. And he turns to me, and he's like, do you, you know that Bob struggled with alcoholism and is a recovering alcoholic, right? I'm like, Oh no, I didn't at all. The right thing for me to do would be to take that bottle of wine and put it back in my car, go on in, act like nothing ever happened. The wrong thing for me to do would be to go, you know what? I don't care. He needs to get over it. So I'm bringing it in anyways. See, I would, I would, I would not be looking to build this other person up or help them out. There's something that's maybe a little more tangible that, that you guys would get. So with everything, build others up and be thankful. In verse 30, he ends with two questions, and it's kind of abrupt. It actually starts in the middle of verse 29. But he's doing it to just make his point at the end of all this. And it seems, seems like an abrupt shift, but he's saying, you know what? Thankfulness to God is the secret to enjoying God's good gifts. And it's the secret to glorifying God, being thankful. Thankfulness to God is also how you tear down idols. Last week... Joey was looking at the passage. I was talking about fleeing from idols. And the best way to flee from idols is to take the things that were idols, that were taking the place of God in our hearts, and in, still enjoy those things with thankfulness to God. So, if you're into hunting, and that is consuming your life and starting to become God to you, don't stop hunting, maybe a little less, to help pull your heartstrings away from it a bit and, and focus more on God. But instead, when you're doing it, go, God, wow. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be out here in your creation and enjoy this time with the guys. And, um, it's time hunting or whatever you're into, right? Whether it's food, it's not that you should go and then just not eat food, you would die, right? So it's, it's that instead while you're eating, you go, God, thank you for this. This is a gift from you. Instead of me making a God of that thing or that person, whatever it is. When we're genuinely expressing gratefulness to God for sports, for technology, hunting, whatever it is, fishing, your significant other, It's pretty difficult to then turn and worship that thing. So thankfulness in a lot of ways is how we tear down idols in our lives. It's saying you're the creator, not you're the created, not the creator. God is the creator. You're saying you bring me some joy, but only because the fountain of joy made you. Takes a lot of intentionality to be thankful Naturally, we just like to complain, right? We've, we've seen this with the weather lately, you know, when it was snowing, when it wasn't supposed to be snowing and everyone's complaining then, but then it turns and it's, it's nice out and I hear people ranting about how it's hot. Are you kidding me? And give it a month when it's really hot outside. And I, all I can think of is, man, I'm so glad it's not snowing. I love it when it's warm out. I can actually go outside and do stuff. I can handle a little sweat, but when I can't even go outside, if I get knocked over, that's, that's, that's not cool. That's not true. That wouldn't happen to me. That would happen to my son get knocked over. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, so thankfulness to God. We need to have our mindsets changed, though, right? We don't just say, hey, be thankful. We need to be thankful, not complain. We need to fight to be thankful. And so the way we can do that, again, is through memorizing Scripture. And verse 26 is a great one to memorize, which is also Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything's yours, God. And our actions will start to go with it. The last way in this passage that we can glorify God is in verse 32 to 33. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone and everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. I included um, 11 verse 1 to whoever broke up the chapters and verses here wasn't thinking because that goes with this this thought. So the chapter breaks, the verse breaks aren't inspired by God, so clearly. So how do we do this? How do we glorify God? We be winsome. I know that's not a super common term, but I think it's the best way to put this. Be winsome. Winsome is living in a way that attracts people to Jesus. Living in a way that attracts people to Jesus in order to win some. This means even if you have to give up your personal freedoms. Okay, do you guys, you guys know those people who are just contagiously winsome, okay, that just attract people to Christ, that attract people in general? You know, you, you really enjoy their company, um, and you feel so welcome when you're around them and you're at their home. See, that is what we're called to. Being winsome, being attractive, not for our own sake, but to point people to Jesus, isn't just the job of an extrovert. This isn't limited to those people who are more outgoing. This is the call to all of us. If we want to glorify God, we need to attract people to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. So there's this couple that were youth leaders when I was in high school, and their name is Scott and Julie Rieger. Scott is actually an elder at Candeo Church in Cedar Falls, which is in our network, and he's coming in a couple weeks and going to be preaching. So June 3rd, be here. It's going to be great. But there's really nothing extraordinary about this couple. They just welcomed me into their home often, usually with chili, which was fantastic. But it's not that they were always just talking to me about Jesus either. They, they did that, but they were there to listen to me. They were showing me what it means to follow Jesus. And that in a lot of ways changed my life. I mean, I was al- already a follower of Jesus, but it laid the pathway for me to know, Oh, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus at work and at home and in marriage was an incredible example to me. Their winsomeness led me closer to Jesus and eventually into ministry, where I am now. We want to be like Scott and Julie. You might think, you know there's, there's nothing extra special about me. Well, just take people under your wings. let them spend some time with you. I, re- I remember as a youth leader, um, Heather and I... As youth leaders, we would, just, we would just call students up and we'd be going to the store. Hey, you want to come to the store with us? That's so ordinary, right? But just spend some more time rubbing shoulders with people to attract people to Jesus. And here in this, in this passage, it's not limited to being winsome to unbelievers. He says to Jews, to Greeks, the church of God. You need to attract all people to Jesus, regardless of where they're at, whether they know Him or they don't. Verse 33 says, I try to please everyone in everything I do. Now, what does that mean? That, that seems kind of counter what Paul says in a lot of Scripture. Well, context is king when we're trying to figure out what Scripture means. Keep reading. It says at the end of this verse that they may be saved. So you're not pleasing people So that you look good or so that you benefit. You're not pleasing people so that they're happy with you necessarily. You're not pleasing people at the expense of obedience to Jesus. And you're not but you are pleasing people so that they can see Jesus in you. And eleven verse one. Be imitators of me, Paul says, as I am of Christ. Paul wants them to imitate him in the ways that he's imitating Jesus. So what's winsome is not keeping other people happy necessarily. Jesus said in John 15 that people will hate you because of me. And people will persecute you because of me. There's, there's some sense in which if we're following Jesus rightly, some people are not going to like it. But what is winsome is exemplifying Jesus who is full of grace and truth, we also find in the book of John. Full of grace, full of love, full of mercy, but full of truth. There are several passages, as you read through the Gospels, where Jesus is just nailing people to the wall with the truth. So we need to do that with grace sometimes, with people in our lives. That's being winsome as well. And people might go, you know what, I don't agree with you. But man... There's just something different about that person. Sounds like they, they actually believe what they're saying and that that actually might be true. So, if I were to interview your family members, if I were to interview your neighbors, your coworkers, and ask them this question, what would they say? How interested and attracted are you to Jesus? Because of Matt. Because of insert your name. How interested and attracted are you to Jesus because of this person? Maybe they would respond, I'm, I'm pretty interested. He's different in a really great way. She's different in a really great way. Or maybe they'd say, oh, I didn't even know they believed in Jesus. Or maybe they'd say, wow, I can't believe he follows Jesus. What would the response be? If I went and interviewed everyone in your life. But again, our mindset needs to change. Our hearts need to change. How can this happen? Memorize verse 33. Especially the end. Not seeking my own advantage, but that of many. That they may be saved. Have that going through your head. That today they may be saved. Romans 9, 2, and 3. Paul's talking here. This is crazy. He says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Do you hear what Paul is saying here? Paul's saying, I am so burdened for other people that don't know Jesus in my life, that I would rather be cut off from Christ and rot in hell for eternity so that they could come to know Jesus? Is that your heart? Is that your mindset? When we're talking about being winsome, winsomeness flows from a heart that desires other people to know Jesus, come to know Him, and get to know Him more. Do you have a heart like that where you, you just don't care? You're like, yeah, whatever. I don't care what happens to me. The worst thing possible could happen to me. As long as they come to know Jesus. Memorize a scripture like that. Your heart will begin to change. Your life will begin to change. Become more and more winsome. So we talked about how we can glorify God. When should we glorify God? Verse 31. Very simply, all the time. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. There's not a section of your life that is excused from glorifying God. So a better question than saying, when should I glorify God is, when shouldn't I glorify God? So, um, I've got a little example here. So this was going to be a plate that's sectioned off kind of like a lunch tray and I forgot to bring it this morning so I made one Um, (laughs) sorry but here it is Um, so often we live our lives in a way that has our work here family life here free time over here play time over here whatever we just section our life off and go you know what God I'll glorify you here at church and at work at home, but my, my free time, my play time, mm-mm, that's mine. We may not even say that out loud, but we do it subconsciously. When God is actually calling us, that in everything we do, we glorify God. There's, there's no sectioning off our lives. All of it flows together. All of it's going to be lived to build other people up, to live in thankfulness to God, to be winsome. So I'm going to list several areas of life. And give some examples of those areas of life. Your job is to brainstorm with God and with other people in your life. How you can go about changing in those areas. Where am I falling short? How can I glorify God more in this area? So let's start with work. Let's say you love your job. And you love your coworkers, Or let's say you hate your job. And you don't really like your coworkers. We're called to glorify God. To build other people up. To be thankful to God, to be winsome at work. What about rest? Let's say you got a vacation at an all-inclusive resort. Or let's just say it's a day off with nothing on your schedule. Are you going to spend that time building other people up, being thankful to God, being winsome? Let's, Let's talk about the mundane. An example of that, just driving down Highway 30 from Ames to Boone or Boone to Ames. Are you building other people up? Are you thankful to God? Are you winsome? How could you do that just during everyday life? Say during playtime, free time, sports, movies, hunting, fishing, video games, reading, whatever you're into. Are you building other people up? Are you thankful to God? Are you winsome in those things that you do? What about when it's not convenient? Let's say you are stopped at the railroad tracks for the fifth time this week because you live in bad directions. West Boone. Let's say you're disciplining your kid for telling you no for the 20th time that day. May have happened to me this week. Let's say you're doing housework that you just hate. What if a car pulls out in front of you while you're driving down the road? Are you building other people up? Are you thankful to God? Are you winsome in all of those circumstances? Especially when it's not convenient. So... Whether you eat, or drink, or work, or rest, or play, or whatever you do, let's do it all to the glory of God. Let's pray. God, it's very difficult to glorify you in everything. The bar is just super high in everything that I just said. So we need your help. So I pray that you just come and give us wisdom. Give us a mindset change, a heart change, Lord, that we would Desire to be thankful. Desire to be winsome. Desire to build other people up more. And it would just come out of our hearts. So Jesus, come and change us for your glory. Make us more like you, God. Help us stop ignoring those areas of our life that aren't honoring to you. That aren't pointing other people to you. start having your scripture just flow through our heads, your words flow through our heads, and we start to believe it to the point of action. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.